the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. Uh-huh, we're back. Let me see here. So Marlis raised a question about, uh, uh, I think it's Prince Harry. Everybody, Marlis, knows that Prince Harry is, is um, engaged to a woman that's half black. Um, I don't want to go too much into it. I think I'm going to do it in the future. I was talking in, our, in my opening monologue about where we are in our world. Um, and one of the things that is creating frenzy in this pseudo construct of race definition that had its roots in the hierarchical structures of Europe and Britain, um, just because they wanted to make money on the backs of slaves, chattel slaves for black people and uh, indentured servants for whites. They created the white black paradigm um, to, to have the dialectical hostilities between the whites and the blacks because they weren't going to let them get along in order to take over government. Um, so that's Nathaniel's, Nathaniel Bacon's revolt, if you want to learn anything about it, the origins of uh, the, the white term and black term, which didn't exist before the 16th century. In any event, um, history is working itself out that this so-called you know, superior race or distinct race, which is fictitious biologically, empirically, and in every other way, philosophically, is just a ruse, um, has demonstrated itself from the beginning of time um, to not be possible. If we're going to use the term, although it's no really a valid term, if you're going to use the term black folks and white folks, you're going to always see the spectrum across the board. You're not going to just see pure blacks and pure whites. Never. Because we all come from one blood. Of one blood did God make all nations of men. We don't have a bunch of ethnic groups. Polyethnicity doesn't exist. Now, that is polyracist. There's only one race. The human race. And we have different uh, shades and different cultures, different ethnicities in that sense. But one, one race one race, not the black race, the white race, the green race, the blue race. And so when the biblical Christian becomes solid along these lines, we can, uh, we can overcome a lot of that stuff. It's cool. Uh, the, 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 the throne in uh, England is, is in a lot of ways just um, it's an empty suit these days. And Harry is demonstrating that by, um, by marrying a, a, a young lady who not only was is half black, but she was divorced already. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah, well, I'm just saying the old guard is coming down on a lot of levels, and we need to be careful about that as we um, as we work our way through. Let me go to line number uh, three and talk with Deborah in Castro Valley. Deborah, are you there? Yes, I am, Pastor. How are you this evening? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I am calling to uh, let the sisters in your listening audience know that on this Saturday, uh, December the 9th at 10 o'clock, the Daughters of Grace will be hosting our end-of-the-year Christmas celebration. I'm looking forward to it. 
it's hard to believe that this is our second annual Christmas celebration. Time is moving. Time is moving, Deb. Rapidly. Yeah. Rapidly. And and Christmas and the holiday season for many, you know, it typically brings family, friends, good food and gift giving and but what a wonderful opportunity for service to someone who doesn't have family near or doesn't have family. Or as you mentioned in your opening monologue, for many the holiday season is just a hard time of the year. So what a, a, a good opportunity for a hug or a smile yep, or yep. to share some food or some scripture or some some form of service, some form of giving, some form of kindness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some form of goodness. Um, and it just seems like the holiday season is becoming sadder and sadder, you know, in the way in which we approach it. I think I think we're agreeing um, completely along the lines of the emotional and psychological content as we're observing it. I, I know I'm not, you know, isolated. This is not an isolated thing, you know, or of personal morbidity. My observation for a number of years is that it is increasingly growing sadder and sadder, uh, right. Deb, more sad uh, for a number of reasons, uh, which we could take a long time to talk about. But uh, in my opening monologue, my intention was to let the Christian know that he or she or they could do something about it uh, in a positive way. And I'm sure you caught yes. that. Right. Yes. Uh, just yes. so as not to not only succumb to the materialism of the season that has all of its exactly. uh, side effects, like Pauline, uh, not Pauline, but our other caller just said that she's, you know, able to avoid, but to positively look around and make sure that somebody with whom we are um, are engaged, whether it's uh, close up or are distant, uh, that we don't neglect to think about where they might be in their emotional makeup and uh, and just kind of give them a flippant, you know, hello, goodbye, you know, holiday season or whatever way uh, people greet. But to to look at it as an opportunity to be a blessing to them um, with with the fact that we know that we've been blessed. Yes, yes. And just to simply ask them, how are you doing? doing? And then take the time to genuinely listen to mm-hmm. their response. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So tell me, um, what are we going to be doing? Any any kind of specifics on Saturday? Other than the fact that I just love to to see our sisters gather together because that's that's kind of you guys' space as the Lord has allowed this ministry to uh, to be spun over the last couple of years. It's a space for our sisters to um, to love on one another, to affirm their identity in Christ. But uh, is it just a time of restful, joyful uh, reflection? Um, what's the program? Because I, I haven't really been in touch with it this, this time. The topic, once again, or yet again, is on service. Okay. And okay. as you mentioned at the last uh, gathering, that that topic we just touched the the tip of the iceberg on that. Okay. There is a lot um, to be said about servicing people and the heart in which you service others with. Is it is it for your own gratification, or are you genuinely involved in 
and what you're doing, and mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. uh, is God getting the glory for mm-hmm. for what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's going to be developed a little bit more, yeah. and then actually there are two projects that are going to be occurring on that same day. The mm-hmm. children will be visiting our adopted convalescent hospital to both deliver Christmas cards that they made. Wow. And to sing Christmas songs. That's great. To the residents. That's great. And then the older sisters will be packing the gift bags, which include cards of encouragement and or favorite scriptures that will be sent to the U.S. Virgin Islands in time for Christmas uh, to our sister church. I love it. That sounds like it's going to be a great time. Go on. It will be. It will be, and then the, in the afternoon we'll end with a lot of good food and wonderful fellowship, as it always does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't, that, isn't it a blessing to be uh, alive and well and healthy, Deb, um, yes. speaking to you as a person, um, yes. and be able to be involved in something that uh, eloquent? I mean, because there's always yes. a, we're always dealing with emergencies at our age. You, you know what I mean by that. Yes. Uh, we, we, yes. we find ourselves swooping in upon a difficult whatever that may be, and, and having to engage that because that's what you get with your senior card when we're our age. That's just the way that goes. Right. But to right. be able to voluntarily engage in yeah. a kindness um, that is prompted by our um, uh, love for Christ and our awareness of his servitude towards us because we always yeah. labor to make sure that the foundation for what we do is grace-oriented. To be able to do that is just a joy. It is, and a blessing. Yeah, yeah. And a blessing. So tell me, yeah. what before I let you go, what is, um, what's Christmas going to look like for, for, for Sister Deborah Jacks? Well, it, it doesn't come from Macy's, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't uh, mean that anymore, and it hasn't for a long time. Okay. Um, it's, it's good food yeah. and con- reconnecting with family. Yeah. That's good. Um, and it's about sharing. Uh, sharing can come in the form of just really intentional conversations that reconnect yep. uh, one to another. Mm-hmm. Um, in some instances, it's sharing and passing down family recipes. Yeah. Um, it, it comes in a number of different in a, a number of different forms, but it definitely does not have to. Uh, break the bank and have me paying for uh, this Christmas gifts uh, all throughout 2018. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I hear yeah. You. That's not. That's not what it's about. Um, and the reason for the season is becoming far more important mm-hmm. uh, to me personally, mm-hmm. and even more important for me to share with those that I love. So. Um, that's what the focus is is for me, and 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 that's the that's the kind of tradition that I'd like to continue forward. Absolutely, and you have a, mm-hmm. a downline that will um, benefit from that. You being the matriarch, I can tell you that now the mm-hmm. blessing of being able to leave those paradigms, those models for our our mm-hmm. downline is just huge. Yes. 
Listen, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for the call. The sisters out there have heard the clarion call for this Saturday, the DOG. Our Daughters of Grace Ministry opens our doors at about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. They will commence with their uh, Christmas fellowship around serving and uh, practicing serving uh, for our our sisters in the British Virgin Isles. Bless you, Deb. I've got to take a break. When I come back, I will talk to both Deborah in Oakland and Lena as well. Two lines are open, one 367 At some point, I'll get to the Christmas question. We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we are back. Time is moving quickly. The The time is 625 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One line open, one 367 Let me go to Lena, who has been waiting angelically patient and is in Utah. Hi, Lena. Hi, Pastor Jesse. Thanks for everything. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, what's going on? Okay, I want you to talk about something else, but this is what's happening in my life right now, mm-hmm. and um, I hope it doesn't so- sound self-righteous, but the Lord will have you tell me, okay? Um, okay. Uh, I have four things. I have four people in my life mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, who are cl- I'm close to and yeah. I care about, yeah. um, and, they, uh, and, they, and they say God's name in vain and right. Jesus' name in vain, right. like every other word. Yep, yep. Tough. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. It's very tough. So and I don't want to be self righteous. Mm-hmm. And so first I said something and then I felt self righteous. And so then I try to hint and it doesn't get through. And now I get I'm getting mad and actually it's wearing my mind out. Right. Mm. Okay. You want some help? <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Please. Okay. So um, when people um, use our Lord's name in vain, I actually talked about this in a message about three, four weeks ago relative to how casual people are about using the term God <clears throat> as well as Jesus in some of the most profane and frivolous ways, just in, even in the more frivolous way they use it. And that indicates the nature of their relationship with God. Um for the believer who has a close relationship with God, his name is to be reverenced. And uh, I won't get into uh, grammar and etymology with some of the knuckleheads out there who who want to okay. argue about secret names. But even for us to use the name God um, for us, that's the word. It's theos in the Greek, El Elohim in the Hebrew. For us to use the name, the term God, it still speaks to his proper personhood and our awareness of his holiness, his beauty, his splendor, his righteousness, his redemptive qualities, his attributes means that when we use the term God, we know we're calling attention to the one true and living God. And believers are going to do it in a fashion that always dignifies their God because we love him. Uh, The same is is true with the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son. We love him and therefore we, we reverence his name. We employ his name 
only in a context where it dignifies him, as I would do with Lena. If I know Lena and me and Lena are friends and someone comes to me and uh, and we are talking about women and, and sisters or whatever, I am not going to take Lena's name and drag it through the mud and call you my friend or my sister in Christ. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to dignify your name. You're not going to have to worry about me misrepresenting Lena. How much more so are God? Now, when we are con- when we are grieved, because that's the word grieved when we hear it, it just it's like scratching chalkboard. You know that it's just the worst thing in the world. Um, that's not self righteousness. Okay. That's sanctifying the Lord God in your heart and letting him be your fear and your dread as second Peter chapter three fifteen says, which comes out of the book of Isaiah. And God is held in reverence by all those that are about him, as the psalmist says. And at some point, if you're in my presence and you are belittling my God and my savior, I'm going to let you know. Now, when I let you know, I'm bearing record to the fact that he bought me by his blood. He redeemed me by his grace. He quickened me by his spirit. And therefore, I am his representative as his son. And I'm going to let you know, hey, 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 would you would you not do that around me now? After I tell them to do what is probably impossible for them to do, I've got to ask, I've got to ask God for grace to let me endure among them uh, until he actually softens their heart around that bad practice. Okay, but I, w- I would encourage you. I would encourage you to use an analogy if if you get a chance. Say now, who do you love on this earth that you really, really want to protect their reputation? And if they say, "Well, this person, that person," say, would you use their name that way? And then and then maybe that will catch. But don't get into a uh, don't get into a, a rhetorical fight with them, Lena. Don't do that. Okay, uh, I've done all of that about if I said, you know, your son's name, you know, uh, I've done all of it. And then I, you know, and then I, and it's really no, you know, I mean, the Lord, you know, there's no secret. They've known this about me for 15, 20 years. So I don't know why it's going crazy. Um, and okay, one last question then. Uh, I kind of want to eliminate myself from them. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And, and it, you know, it's kind of bad because they're not going to. Like my one friend says, um, I said, did you know this? And they said, well, who would have told me something about, you know, God's Bible? They said, who would tell me that? And so then I think to myself, well, if I'm not around them, they may never. I mean, only God, but... Um, he so uses never us. Hear nothing, but he I kind of want to be away. Right. He uses us. And so here's the difficulty. That's right. So this is Second Peter chapter 2, where Peter talks about Lot <laughs> dwelling in the midst of Sodom and having to endure the filthy conversation of the wicked. And it vexed his righteous soul. That's the that's the conflict with us. Right. We we want to be there, but we don't want to be there. Um, yeah. So do you have brothers and sisters with whom you can dialogue about this stuff? A little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I follow all the grace, all the uh, true grace preachers uh-huh. much in your realm and my one of my sisters in Michigan, you know, okay. cause I lived in Michigan. Yeah, she yeah, told yeah. me about you, so I've yeah. been listening to you. Thank you yeah. for, uh, you know, about two, three years, something like that. Okay. But I listen to all the other preachers, and once in a while I call them, but they have a congregation, so they're busy. So, yeah, I do get a chance. Like I, I don't. Get... <laughs> Pastor Jesse no, no, doesn't have a do. congregation. That's why I called you on Lifeline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I, I, so here, Lena, this is great. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, I'm going to submit your name, Lena, to my sisterhood so that um, so that somehow email me. OK, you got my email. You can get a hold of me. Email me so I can give you a sisterhood so you can start fellowshipping uh, online with some sisters that can also hold you up in prayer uh, in your battle out there in Utah. Maybe one day we'll be able to see each other. Thank you for your yeah, patience. Wonderful. wonderful. Blessings. Got to take a break. Deborah and Deborah, hold on. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time, 636. Two lines open on the Monday edition of Lifeline. If you want to call in, I'm having a great time with my sisters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two lines open, one 329 Let's go to line number three and talk with Deborah in Oakland. Deborah. And Oakland uh, line number, sorry, line number two. Hold on, Deb. I got to get the other Deb. She's been holding on twice as long as you. Number two. I'm sorry. Uh, Deborah, how are you? Deborah? Hello. Hello, Deb? This is Deborah in Oakland. That's right. Hi, Deb. Hi. What's going on? Jesse? Yes. Um, uh, holidays are really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have family. So if your sisters want to practice what you just told them, uh-huh. they can practice on me. And it's done, just like that. And if they want to fellowship with me when it's not a holiday, that would really encourage me, too, because I'm so isolated by myself here. That's right. That's right. So they're all listening. And uh, and and they'll know they'll you guys you guys have heard the call of your sister Deborah in Oakland, um, so she's looking forward to some encouragement and some fellowship. So uh, you have an opportunity to be both missional and uh, and and filial. So even some food, e- even some food, even some food. There you go. That's even better. A couple, two or three, you sisters, uh, uh, and they can come year round. I'll, I'll welcome their fellowship. <laughs> I agree. I agree. There you go. We there you go. You guys, there's a spot for you guys, you sisters, uh, to um to be able to to love on Sister Deb in Oakland. And if you want and from how can we do that? Call Grace Bible Church. Sister Noretha will be more than glad to uh direct you towards being able to bless Sister Deb in Oakland. Uh, especially during these holiday seasons when so many of our brothers and sisters are indeed alone. So we are trusting that that is going to happen without a doubt. Yes. Uh, Jesse, hmm? have a really blessed Christmas, New Year, and whatever else happens. Absolutely. Listen, and you too, my sister, and hopefully the Lord will allow us to continue to do that together every Monday as he has for so many years now. Um, It's been a long time, and I hope it's going to be a whole lot longer because it's actually wonderful to do life in Christ with my um, with my brothers and sisters here in the Bay Area and even beyond, Sister Lena from Utah. That was amazing. Last week it was a sister from Washington. So you sisters, come on online and let's continue to talk. It's a blessing to be able to do all this. And now you guys know Sister Deborah from Oakland, who is uh, more than willing to, um, to, to be loved on by you guys. And so let's make that happen. And we'll talk to you maybe next week or the week after. And the Lord bless you, my sister. Jesse? Yes. I had to give up my cat, too. Oh, was- now, you know I know all that. You know that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's, that was hurtful, too. Yeah. That's tough. Now you're really alone. 
Yeah. Right. So our sisters are going to love on you. I'm sure. Okay. I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm just sure. I'm sure of that. That's going to happen. All right. I'll talk to you later. Let me go to line number three for real now. By the way, all the lines are open except for line number three. If Deb is still there, if she's not mad at me, I've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Y'all, give me a call. Hi, Deb. Hi. What's How going? Are you? I'm great. What's going on? Hi. I was calling about. Well, I had a question about Christians and going to clubs. Uh huh. So you had kind of touched on it a little bit in the beginning of your intro. Did I? I thought you said something about, yeah, I think so, a little bit. Oh, I I, can can tell you what I said. I can tell you what I said. And, And this was a question that I got from one of our listeners who was telling me that in his church, they've got these strobe lights and bar lights on stage flashing around like like concerts and he's saying that is deeply disturbing to his worship and so what you probably heard me use was the word bar <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and yeah exactly exactly and, and probably thought somehow I was um I don't know what you thought but I can if you want me to talk if you want me to talk about the appropriateness and and inappropriateness of bars for believers, I'd be more than glad to engage you in that conversation for a few minutes. Okay. Okay. So first and foremost, most Christians should not frequent a bar in the name of Jesus. Uh, Just as a fundamental rule, because the bar is given to the excess of drinking for the purpose of not just being, uh, you know, happy, but getting drunk. And um, and there are a ton of sordid things that happen in the bar that um, are temptations that are outside of the sphere and scope of of uh, the spirit's approval. I'm going to say that again for those that are listening, because actually this issue of drunkenness is a is a returning problem ever since the days of prohibition. Um, one of the reasons why prohibition took place, Sister Deb, uh, oh, some 70, 80 years ago uh, in, here in the United States, beginning on the East Coast, was because it was evident that people can't handle alcohol, alcoholic beverages without becoming addicted and therefore also without incurring a greater economic stress on the government. The government becomes aware that uh, immorality and bad ethical choices actually stresses out and strains our economy. And that's true. When we are living, when we are living healthy and we are living lives of temperance, um, all things are lawful if they're done in temperance. And even that has to be modified because it's not lawful for us to drink strychnine. So people who loved, I, I'm not going to go there. The point being is that <laughs> the point, sometimes we just don't think, and I hear Christians and they just don't think it through. The point being is that we have a lot of liberties as a believer, but those liberties can never, ever be, um, uh, jeopardized by atmospheres of temptation. And so, uh, yes, a believer may be able to have a glass of wine, et cetera, um, in a, an appropriate context under the appropriate circumstances. But a bar is largely designed to um, allow people to sleep 
slip into dialogues and conversations that are seedy, that um, ultimately lead to uh, behavior patterns that violate uh, noble and virtuous uh, principles and practices. Often adultery takes place there. Fornication takes place there. Idolatry takes place there. Anger and hostility takes place there. Fights take place there. And of course it does. It's the place where the adversary is able to get you when you are uninhibited. Right. And so, no, the Christian shouldn't be there unless, of course, he has a unique, she has a unique opportunity to be an absolute witness to them in some context that does not constitute a normalcy of being there. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. You said a lot. I just got caught in your program. This is the first time I ever heard you. Okay. So, look, the Lord didn't bless me. The Lord didn't bless me with two sisters that have heard me for the first time today. Do you ever listen to Lifeline? No, this is my first time. Okay. And what made you, what made, besides who, what made you listen today? Well, like I said, your conversation was very, you know, enlightening. And, you know, I'm a believer. Yes, ma'am. And I'm, um, I get to say this real quick that, um, I'm a believer, and I'm around, you know, certain... I'm not in the church right now. I got you. And and that's a different issue, And um, but uh, I'm try, I'm looking for a church home, and I just found out where your church was. Okay. So I might show up there. You are free to but, show up, even in your journey, um, because a lot of people are... Um, they're transitioning, and they're moving about. They are... They are... Um, they are... They are traveling. I got that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the problems with our churches in general is that, you know, they're not altogether safe spaces for a lot of reasons. Unfortunately, we've got to, you know, we've got to work towards being that. And then again, every church is not, is not the right church for anyone. So you, you know, right. You know, I, well, years ago, you know, cause I'm, I'm a little older than you. Years are you ago, sure about that? You're just now listening to me. Are you sure you're a little older than me? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, 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 I heard you say your age. You oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. I did. That's right. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a kind of good memory. I mean, I don't forget things when people say it. Too. But, uh, yeah. Oh, mo- oh most of you women, phone. most of you women, you most of you ladies, you most of you women can remember what we say almost <laughs> verbatim for a lot of reasons that makes relationships between men and women a liability. Anyhow, I'm kidding. It gets us in trouble, okay? <laughs> it's like because we remember too much. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, you know, I grew up in the church. I was baptized at five. So I've been around the churches. Yeah, I I mean, what they call, I went to different churches. uh, Church church hopping, yeah. But just different beliefs, you know, the different, what they call denominations. Yep, yep. So, you know, uh, so I'm really, what I'm struggling with right now is um, trying to find somewhere where I could, you know, I I don't want to be critical. Right. I don't want to be because I, I, you know, I, I and I feel, you know, I, I'm praying for the young, the other Deborah just called. Yeah. Because I hate to see people hurting and, and you know, yep. especially around the holidays. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm not into the holidays. I don't really do the holidays. So right, I, right. And ever since I was a little girl, my mother could tell her she's gone now, but she used to tell people, I was like, she used to say, Deborah's not into that because I, I watch people suffer through that time. Exactly. You know, trying to scrape and grammar and get things, you know, I got to do this, you know, with a little bit of money. And it's like, why are we doing this? Why? Exactly. Why, why I, do we do this? 
you know, for that one day. I agree. So, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so I struggle with that, and I, I still do. You know, I mean, I participated, I, you know, my sons when they were growing up. Sure. But at this point, it's just myself, and it's like, okay, I don't have to do that. Yep. But, you know, if those people who do, so I'm learning not to be critical if yep. somebody's doing it. Yep. And I guess my last question is, and that's my thing, is like, okay, if I, if I go to the church and they believe, I said, well, maybe I'll just don't go at that time of the year or something if they participate, you know, like with the, like you said, the strobe lights, whatever they have, the, you know, the holiday stuff, whatever. So that's kind of a thing for me. You know, it's like, I don't mind it. I've been in church, you know, I don't have a big problem with it. Right. But it's just that I don't understand it. You know, I don't, you know, No, I'm, I, I got you. I got you in terms of, of that. Um, I'm getting ready to talk about the Christmas tree as a as a closing monologue here in a moment because a sister was had called me a young sister actually actually asked me to explain why our traditions are so conflated and syncretized with secular um, nomenclature and secular um, artifacts and things of that nature. So I'm going to be talking about that as I close out the program. Um, I, I I get it. Uh, we celebrate the birth of the Savior because the incarnation is critical to our faith and our identity, um, but we really do try to uh, try to maintain a radical biblical um, uh, and, and crystal centricity. That means if you ever come to grace, Deborah, um, it's all about Jesus. Really, I mean, and, 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 and I know a lot of churches say that, but we really do. Uh, we really do try to set that forth. But there is a legitimate celebratory component to <clears throat> the birth of Christ that um, our churches should be engaged in, without collapsing okay. into a lot of the crazy consumerism stuff. Um, uh, okay. you'll, you'll hear me talk about this after the break. Um, I didn't raise my kids uh, in that mode. My kids will tell you dad didn't have Christmas trees and dad didn't have all of the hoopla going on at all growing up because I just felt like um, it, it could be dangerous, but I, I leave it for other people to do. And, uh, and, and, okay. I'll, and I'll talk about that after the break as I get ready to close out our monologue. So, uh, and it's not that I, I can see the danger in isolationism. And I can tell that your journey has led you to be soft enough and caring enough in your heart not to be super critical about other people engaging. And that's the way we should be as we mature in Christ, knowing that if God is working in them, he will give them a value system that ultimately will help them, um, you know, maintain a, a an equilibrium when it comes to this kind of materialistic expression of Christianity. Um, and we all ought to be growing in a more spiritual and substantially a uh, Christian way so that um, Christ is not obscured by our Western cultural expressions. Um, so just, just keep listening to the rest of the program. And I've just prayed that as um, the few other ladies have inadvertently called, uh, listen today that you guys would become continual listeners and that we would be friends and brothers and sisters in Christ because Deb, whether we um, are in each other's physical presence or not, we need each other. We need each other. Um, that's just the way God meant it to be. We need each other. And so thank you for the call. God bless you. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'll close with a monologue on the Christmas thing and we'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We're back at the time, 536 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Been a really good um, two hours just about. We've got a few more minutes. And so what I'll do is I'll just devote this time to sprinkling our hearts with some sober reality about 
a season that I think is absolutely wonderful, phenomenal, and uh, essential to our Christianity. There's a lot about Christianity today that is divorced from Scripture, uh, divorced from the center of Scripture and substance of Scripture, which is the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Christianity going on today that is nothing but humanism, um, secular um, humanism that is uh, sprinkled over with a little religious um, connotation, Second Timothy chapter 3, a form of godliness, but denying the substance. Uh, biblical Christianity from the first century onward, after the anointing uh, and pouring out of the Spirit of God at Pentecost, was radical. It was revolutionary, um, and it was um, it was redemptive in nature. People were actually saved from their sin. Today, we question whether or not uh, human beings are even sinful, and you'll get that in the church. We're no longer sinners after we're saved. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've heard a pastor say that recently. We're not sinners after we're saved. Yes, you are. You're still a sinner, and uh, I'd be glad to debate it with you. Um, you're a sinner. You may be saved and you may have the righteousness of God in you uh, imputed and then imparted by the spirit of God. You may be a new creature in the sense that the incorruptible seed exists in your heart, but you're still a sinner. Your thoughts are not perfect. Your motives are not po- perfect. Your actions are not perfect. And where imperfection is, sin dwells. You're still a sinner. And as Paul said in Second Timothy chapter 1, as he was headed out, First Timothy chapter 1, as he was headed towards execution, having already declared that he was uh, not worthy to be an apostle, and then in Romans chapter 7, declaring that he was a wretched man, and then finally in his old age, he says, I'm the chief of sinners, not was, am. It blows me away that we would deny what is reality. When you sin, it's because there's still a sin nature there even if there is a new nature. John said it in first John, if any man say he has no sin, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. <clears throat> and that's because you need a mediator. And Jesus is the one mediator between man and God. He's the advocate for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us because we are still and yet sinners. And so the incarnation is a wonderful reality that underscores the fact that God assumed a human nature in the person of Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, and and we beheld his glory, the, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The most controversial religion in the world is Christianity, and this is why people run from it, shrink from it, because we're talking about what God did in such an enormous sacrifice in terms of the second person assuming a nature and representing God the Father in such an imminent way of redemption so that men and women from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue are called sons and daughters of God by faith in Christ. So we adore the newborn child. We adore the king of Israel, the king of the Jews. We adore the son of man. We adore him during this holiday season. The problem is, is... What about the trees and what about the gifts and what about Santa Claus and all that? So I'm I'm not saying don't adore him. I'm saying adore him radically. Enjoy the lights. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy the food. <clears throat> enjoy the season uh, because it would be dark without it. Enjoy all that we've talked about. But listen to the poem once again. Twas the night before Christmas and strange as it seems, I wasn't indulging in covetous dreams. Reading my Bible, I searched for a clue why Christians take part in this holiday, too. 
I plainly could see that it carried his name, but the spirit behind it just wasn't the same. The song spoke of wise men, of virgins and child, of shepherds of God and all men reconciled. But nothing was said of the blood and the cross of repentance and of faith and of counting the cost. They sang of the babe, his miraculous birth, but not of the day when he'll judge the whole earth. My Bible said nothing of Santa Artois, of Frosty the Snowman, and small drummer boys. A reference to Rudolph not once did I see, but it seems Jeremiah did mention a tree. That's the error. Don't worry about that one. Jeremiah 10. It's not talking about trees, talking about idols. I sat and I pondered this curious matter when out on the roof there arose such a clatter that I knew in a moment he soon would be here. So I prayed in the spirit and I stood without fear. He slipped down the chimney quick as a flash and stepped from the fireplace all covered with ash. There stood St. Nick with his bag and his beard. He looked at the Bible I heard and he, I held and he sneered. Another fanatical Christian I see, no stocking, no holly, no pictures of me. I asked him if Jesus was God in the flesh. He said that was something he couldn't confess. He said, I am Santa. I come from afar. I stood in the truth. The devil you are. That suit and that beard doesn't fool me one bit. Your jolly deception is straight from the pit. Beneath all your ho-ho-holes, Lucifer lurks. With your all-seeing eye and your gospel of works, like a thief in the night, you impersonate Christ returning to the judge. Those naughty and nice. So call Christmas pagan, he said. That's okay, because that's what my sons all say. There it is. Think it through. We'll talk about it next time. God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.